0: HR managers ghosting is one thing correct it's definitely not acceptable the least one can do is communicate Uh, bad news is better than no news for sure Uh, secondly they are also unfortunately driven by the market evolving in a way where candidates also have 5, 5, 10, 10, 30, 30 offers as you might have heard in the last year from Bangalore and stuff so in that case uh, you know it just spoils the system and it gets from bad to worse
1: hello and welcome to fixing the bug powered by code quotient A podcast where we come together and talk about everything related to coding, be it jobs, building your startup, improving education policies. And today we have with us the co-founder and CEO of Utrade Solutions, a leading global fintech company which is enabling smarter trading by specializing in low latency algorithmic trading platforms for investors, traders, retail brokers, and more. So Kunal Nandwani, welcome to the podcast. How have you been?
0: Uh, I'm good. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for giving us your time and we are happy to have you here. So, uh, talking about Utrade Solutions. It's 11 years of hard work and the company has reached to good heights. We will talk about the journey, but first, what made you start Utrade Solutions? Uh,
0: So, I used to, uh, before starting Utrade, I used to uh, work in, uh, in London with some banks investment banks like Lehman Brothers and all and after a while since 2008 crisis uh, of financial markets I continued working there for a while but I got bored and I realized that there's not much frankly banks do in life and I started realizing that there's not much steep learning curve that I was looking for in life and uh, I needed something more challenging Mm. so I had some ideas around doing a startup it used to be called back in the days not a startup it used to just be a Starting a business to learn the process, mm. the way, uh, how it works, and uh, so I felt that could be a good challenge uh, for me. And uh, I was looking around for ideas. And in one of the trips back home to India, I uh, met someone, and they suggested that, given your past experience, even if you were to build a technology for cap stock markets in India, you could you could do well. Mm. Um, so that just stuck with me, and I uh, went back to London immediately, resigned from my. A banking job and moved to india and started this business so that's how i was i just had the entrepreneurial urge hmm. to get involved build some business try to build some business and learn along the way and see where it goes so uh, that's how i started ended up starting uterine
1: sounds great but back then um the technology was not at a pace where it is today so how did you Integrate the technological aspect, and what brought you closer to technology?
0: So my background is uh, like probably many, many, many Indians, uh, computer science engineering. So uh, I was familiar with and user of, closely had worked with some technologies even in my jobs within the banks. And um, though I was not coding myself, I was not really a software programmer as such, more on the mm. user side. But uh, I I had the technology background. I had a knack for it. I had some education in it. So uh, I was fairly familiar with what's going on, what works, what doesn't, etc. I'd seen things in more developed markets uh, like UK, Europe and US, what technologies were being used in specific to capital markets. And so uh, I was close enough to technology. Uh, Of course, in the last 10 years, things have changed dramatically. Hmm. to try and indianize the technology or domesticate the solution it's uh, it is a challenge and you do it in due course by learning some things by smartness some things by stupidity and <laughs> learning from them so uh, really? eventually eventually and in technology it's never enough every year there's something new and we have to adapt and evolve so uh, that's what i guess entrepreneurs are about the ones who survive the ones who can adapt can only do well otherwise it's very tough to stay stagnant hmm. so I had an uh, ample uh, initial background in technology to be close enough to it. And then in time we learned and adapted and evolved.
1: Right, so just like you mentioned that it's changing every day and it's evolving every day. How do you think it would be shaping the future?
0: So our our area of operation is fairly limited to stock markets and grand scheme of things. Uh, It helps uh, evolves into uh, somewhat wealth management for individuals, financial goals planning and then investing accordingly in capital markets that's where we operate that's where our impact and influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we provide we try to provide the best technology that could be out there for uh, easier use of technology, easier way of trading and we provide something called algorithmic trading where essentially, computer programs will trade on your behalf you just give them the input parameters when you want to buy or sell and under what conditions you want to do what and they'll constantly keep looking for it so they essentially help freeing up humans time so you can do other things Mm. that uh, you know that are more important for your personal growth while you outsource the technology or trading part to the algos that we built. Mm. So the uh, its impact is that it helps automate things, make things more efficient, make them more disciplined. Because when you're individually trading or investing, sometimes you buy some shares and uh, their value goes down. You, are, you get emotional about it. You don't sell them. You just hold on to them, that hoping they will come back. Mm. But in technology, you have to be very clear. Uh, technology is not emotional. So it brings discipline as well to the financial markets that people have to follow the uh, their goals and their rules and set the Uh, The losses and profits at which they have to book out and not always stay greedy. You can never time the market. You can never be sure where things might end up. So Mm. uh, so we help people get free. People become more efficient. People become more disciplined. And stock markets and financial investing becomes more efficient with this.
1: So uh, like compared to the previous times, it's easier to trade now and the current generation and the coming generation are understanding the importance of investing. So they are also getting into this game of um, trading. How do you think the number of people that are increasing, the users are increasing? So how would that come into play when it comes to technology and like finance?
0: So uh, two parts to this. One is that as India as a country grows and many other countries in the world grow uh, more and more people and the economies grow net net I mean they go up and down in cycles there are always booms busts and recessions but Mm. uh, net net there is overall growth so with the growth I think there is a wider deeper participation in the uh, financial markets it's an important aspect that everyone starts to understand that if you have to plan for some financial goals and Uh, some uh, ultimate uh, end targets like let's say you are a middle class person you are 35 years old you want to plan for your kids education or you want to plan for your kids marriage or you want to plan for buying a house it takes number of years to plan for it and save for it etc so uh, financial markets help you achieve that Uh, and it needs to be done with discipline and with understanding that you can't become overnight rich it's not mm-hmm. like gambling in a casino that you you can just go in and come out with a million dollars it's not going to happen uh but you know every year you have to do savings you have to diversify and put your portfolio of whatever savings you have across fixed deposits across mutual funds across stock markets depending on your understanding and risk appetites and other things so so this this market as you've rightly said is growing dramatically mm-hmm. technology helps us achieve that and secondly i think um the younger generation the millennials as we call it or whatever gen x y z mm. we call them now uh they are right. they they are born with mobile phones with internet mm. at their fingertips and with uh, you know gaming consoles and so much technology around them the smart watches and everything that they have a different way of thinking about the world they if if they're interested in stock markets or investing or anything, they want to do it with the same technology. So you have to be mm. on mobile app. You can't say that open a desktop terminal. They'll not, never go there. Yeah. Uh, you have to be on their mobile. It has to be super convenient. It has to be at their fingertips. So that's uh, one thing where uh, uh, the technology has to be adapted towards the younger generation. While... Of course, continuing the support for the relatively speaking older generation mm. as well, who wants to still access the same things. Uh, that's one. And secondly, the younger generation today uh, wants to own less, but they want a lot of kicks every day, a kicks as in more adrenaline rush mm. through social media, through gaming. Uh, partially the stock markets are becoming gamified for them so yeah. that they could uh, not just invest and earn and learn, but also enjoy the process. So. You know, so so frankly, the technologies are becoming much more millennialized, so to say, uh, for investing into stock markets, which is uh, the natural evolution. And these are the guys who would be doing this for the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years or so. Mm. These are the target customers. So we have to evolve and ensure we support all markets, all segments, the younger people who are coming to the market especially thanks to COVID in the last two years. um, While it's been unfortunate in many other ways, but uh, the digitization has accelerated due to COVID. And Mm. with that, and a lot of people sitting idle at home or relatively uh, getting more times at their hand have come into capital market. So in the last two years, there are more new retail investors that have come to the Indian market than they came in the last 10 years. So Mm. uh, last two years have certainly shifted the balance in the favor of wider capital markets participation. And, Uh, It's likely and hopefully going to grow from here on, maybe not at the same pace, but at some slower pace and more sustainable pace. So technology will play a big role in connecting and reaching out to these millions and millions of users.
1: Right. So in this uh, reaching out to millions of users, millions of users, how, in what ways does your organization leave a positive impact in this area?
0: So the positive impact is that one. Uh the building the technology for in this space, it's relatively a, still a niche market. It's not like there are hundreds of 1000s of providers, mm-hmm. there are only a half a dozen or a dozen providers, frankly, if, depending on how we look at it, we must be in the top two or three providers in the space. Uh, mm-hmm. Within India, and we uh, provide the same solutions outside India as well. Um, our impact is that uh, we push the boundaries, we try to imagine things, I think what differentiates us from uh, most other people is the probably the imagination, I would think. We imagine the future, we try to build it. That's the hardest thing to do, but uh, mm. uh, that's what we try and do. We, we bring things to the fingertips of users much more better, faster, efficient, and easiest way as possible. So the impact is that eventually users are uh, able to conveniently access and trade and invest in the markets hopefully make more more money with more discipline, get better returns, if possible, uh, assuming everything else works for them. And um, hmm. so we try and use technology to make life simpler, essentially. Uh, and we do it in a fairly uh, convenient way for the end user. That's always the focus. And we try and come up with things which probably many others haven't even thought of because they get stuck in day to day try and take a step back uh, more 60,000 feet view of the world where it's going or where it could be going Mm -hmm. and as you had said uh, as you had asked earlier how you're closer to technology so understanding where technology is going Mm
2: -hmm.
0: uh, and then coming up with how the stock markets or financial markets could go with it is where we try to make a difference
1: so like you just said that you take a step back and see what's happening around and how things are evolving Has there been any, as put in your words, has there been any stupid incident that made you realize, okay, I need to step back and then I will work on this thing and then it eventually succeeded?
0: Um, Yeah, so startups, frankly, any any business is all about learning, evolving, adapting and we all do mistakes and mistakes are really mistakes with the benefit of hindsight. Mm. Nobody does a mistake knowingly. Yeah. I mean, if you know what's the outcome going to be, it's you, why would you do it? Right. Mm. Um, so frankly, based on the data you have at the time, the conviction you have as an entrepreneur, you have to go with your conviction mm. uh, and you will never have clear data. You'll never have clear understanding of where the world is. You may have a lot of wrong, fuzzy data. And then you have to make some judgment calls, which are driven by partly data, partly intuition, partly your own feelings and convictions. So mm-hmm. uh, based on that, you make decisions. I think decisions we've made at the time and at the point in time with the information we had and the conviction we had and the context we had, it, they were all okay. But yeah, sometimes things just don't work out mm-hmm. because the outcome is never in our hand. I mean, this goes back to the spiritual Gita teachings as well. that. Uh, you just do you know you just do your acts and don't worry about the results so results will may or may not ha- happen depending on whatever you deserve or how the universe conspires to make it happen or make it fail mm. but with the failures of course um, so we've had plenty of failures i mean in the early days we thought with a smaller team of about 15 to 16 people we were building trying to build three products
2: okay
0: that was completely wrong mm. uh, we overestimated our capabilities of building and scaling three products at the same time what we learned in two years is we had to shut down one product, slow down the other, and just focus on one that could become big. And then after that, we brought back the other two in the next five to 10 years. But doing that's a very entrepreneurial tendency uh, to just pick up and latch up on any opportunity that comes your way. You just feel it looks good, I should do it. But mm. we end up thinly spreading ourselves across uh, too many things and we don't do anything well. So, frankly, when I talk to entrepreneurs, I just Tell them from my own learnings that um, do one thing, do it really well. You may succeed at it or fail at it, but do one thing. Don't do five things. Not early on. Mm. Eventually you can, uh, but you know, initially first few years, do one thing and do it well. There's no point of diversification. If you believe in it, go all in. If you don't believe in it, don't do it. Mm. Don't be an entrepreneur at all. So that was my learning that we were also trying to do too much initially, uh, but we learned very quickly and fortunately uh, acted, reacted fairly well and were able to manage the situation and survive Mm.
1: so if i being a person do believe that i can do this one thing what would your suggestion be how can i turn this vision that i can do that thing into reality what would be the key pointers that i can focus on
0: so um you eventually what makes things work so the the stats are in front of us everyone knows about 99 percent startups shut down in the first three years And everyone when starting believes they can do it. Right. Clearly. And of course, uh, unfortunately, statistically 99% don't uh, achieve that. Hmm. I think the point is that few things I would say the biggest factor for me is the motivation.
2: Hmm.
0: What is it that you're trying to do? What is your vision? Why do you want to do it? If the motivation is that you saw somebody else make money from it Hmm. or you saw somebody else get famous while doing it, it will never work because that's not a deep enough motivation because being an entrepreneur uh, is hard it's really hard um, you have million problems every day every year every month every quarter and you have to keep solving them without expecting anything back mm. and all your focus initially first few years is to survive and survive so i think the looking inside inwards finding your true motivation why you are doing it you're doing it for the learning you're passionate about solving a problem you mm. you want to do it because you want you believe in it some real deeper motivations help Um, if the inspiration is not really true and internal and just externally influenced by money or something else it is not likely to survive Mm. Um, so I think the bigger the better deeper more connected motivation you have likelihood is that you won't worry about the result then all you want to do is try doing Mm. it and essentially the willingness to fail will give you the strength to succeed and Uh, hopefully you can persevere for long enough Uh, in India to build a business as an example it will take you at least three years to survive to figure out whether it can work five years to build a business that may scale and then eight years to actually have a business which will work without you also and it is a true business so Mm. it takes good three to five to eight to ten years to build a business in India who wants to go through the pain of uh, crazy challenges every day every week every month and just keep going mm. uh, perseverance is key and perseverance comes from great deeper uh, inspiration and motivation so if that is right and the perseverance is fine you will hopefully do okay and learn or bring in enough smart people around you as mentors advisors mm. your team members etc you would eventually do okay so
1: what has your inspiration or motivation been who or what has been your source
0: so my inspiration uh, in the last 10 years has evolved while running this business uh, you know and that's the right thing and it's an okay thing because you, if you're not growing mm. if you're if your thoughts are not evolving and you stay with the same thoughts you had 10 years ago even if it it might mean that you're making a u-turn on certain things you believe mm. in that's okay that means you're growing right you're learning so inspiration has evolved over time um, initially my inspiration used to be some business leaders mm. uh, some people i heard some people who were inspiring while they spoke somebody who had co-founded HCL, I had met. There were some, you know, Steve Jobs alike, people we used to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, So those were all really great inspirations. But having 10 years now, I feel my inspiration has gone beyond the business world. Now I truly probably get more, I I definitely get more inspired by people who are really, really true to their, true to what they say. They have high integrity. They really believe in what they want to do. And, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you do the talk, you talk the walk. You just don't say things to, achieve an agenda. You know, I prefer people, I look up to people who are true to themselves and really believe in certain things and try to do them with their best efforts. Mm. Uh, As an example, the co founder, I find him inspiring. He's never raised money, he's built a great business and he says what he means, you know. Mm. And I I mean, again, I don't know him personally, I don't know enough under the surface, there may be other parts to it. But I think that's that's something I, I find inspiring. Mm. um otherwise personal inspiration now for me comes from more spiritual side of things more inner journey more connecting with oneself and trying to figure out our true purpose of life and you know evolving and working towards it i guess so it'll become a bit spiritual over time but we'll see how that evolves but it's still still the combination of the outward life and the inner life mm. that one has to balance with that's what that's what we humans i believe are meant to do and uh we stay enough i've stayed enough outwards for the last few decades of my life right now i want to start looking inwards and balance out mm. inner and outer journey at the same time so uh, for me now the inspiration comes from more from spiritual conversations spiritual thought leaders who are not really on google or anything or who are not mm. you know presenting themselves as leaders because there's a lot of uh, snake oil people sell just with these talks so i you know i really mm. want to learn from people who are truly nowhere available otherwise you know they're all offline there's a world outside google which Uh, you know, I believe in. And I think that's where the true magic happens. Uh, Google is just reinforcing. Otherwise, they have billions of people's thoughts with each other. And just
1: uh... this comes across in a quite interesting manner, because you are someone who has been with technology for a very long time. And now you're going back to the Hmm. Stone Age ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, So technology meaning, uh, so what I'm trying to say is imagine how does Google work? And I'm taking Google or Facebook, anything as an example only. Look, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. search something on Google example, say stock markets, or you want to search spiritual leaders, Mm. who do you think search spiritual leaders? I've not done it, by the way, Mm. who will you, who do you think will come on the first page on the first page, the people that would come, I don't care who they are. It's not specifically about them, but whoever they are, are the ones who have spent money in SEO. If you are an, if you are a spiritual leader. Frankly, the first thing you would know is that you don't need to advertise, mm. right? The real leaders in the past 30 years ago were not advertising on newspaper. If they weren't, they were most likely the corrupt ones or the fake ones, right? Mm. Generally speaking. Today, we don't go to second page of Google, right? Mm. The easiest, the, what is the best place to hide anything in plain sight? Put anything on second page of Google, Nobody will ever find it, right? Mm. Nobody goes to second page. So everyone going to first page of someone who has paid to get there. Mm. And then everyone clicking on it just reinforces that, yeah, this is the right guy, this is the right talk, right? Mm. How is it letting you learn anything new beyond the first page? The point I'm trying to make is not for Google or for a spiritual leader or for Mm -hmm. a stock market advisor or anything. All I'm trying to say is that what we see, uh, we don't need to necessarily believe what we see. And the real magic, innovation, creativity, original thinking happens outside of Internet. Mm. It is not on Internet on internet internet is a great tool to find some basic information to connect with people to do stuff etc no no problem there mm. not going against it but i'm just saying that if as an example if i'm trying to learn about spirituality
2: mm.
0: i cannot learn it from google at all no doubt. all i would find is what most people think about it or what most people pay to pay to others to listen to them right yeah. so sort of and that will only be tip of the iceberg that's not depth that's not uh, that, that's not where you will really find your own inner core inner journey inner depth Uh, it is Mm. just the tip of the iceberg it is just you know sort of for the lack of a better word it would be consciousness for dummies or spirituality for dummies and it will if you are happy to stay dumb sure (laughs) that suffices millions of people and that's okay works for them no problem but i i truly believe in first principles a lot of deep thinking a lot of really going after the fundamentals and then building something up from there or learning from there
1: Right. I I also feel that these questions that are related to our life and how we contemplate on things can only be answered through ourselves or when we discuss it with people. Like if I, for example, I have a a startup and I'm struggling through certain things, I can't type on Google on how to deal with the bad days. I need to speak to someone who has already been through these days and then that person can guide me through, right?
0: Exactly. And... People who are going, who have gone through these days, mm-hmm. if they've made it or not, uh, you know, success is always subjective, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. In my view, the truly humble people, not the humble ones by coming, becoming forty under forty or Forbes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not humbleness by the way at all by putting that on social media um etc it's not it's clearly show off
1: it's achievement but eventually if you keep on boasting about it it ends up being
0: exactly so um and these are not these were not anybody's ever real goals nobody starts by saying that i want to be forbes 40 under 40 or business world 40 under 40
2: Mm.
0: or 30 under 30 or 20 under 20 or whatever Um, right you know um you may end up with five under five or somebody in mother's womb also getting yeah. some awards. So these are these are just adrenaline rushes that you get The that social media has made us so hooked on to. These achievements are only achievements because they are external. They were influenced to you. Somebody would have said and he sent an email to someone saying that you can participate in this. If you buy this much of advertising space or you pay this much, you can get this award, right? This is how it works, mm-hmm. clearly. So it's not a real achievement that was set out by one person in one's goal. If that was the, and as I said earlier, if money or such fame is your goal, you'll not go too far. More likely you will not, mm. right? You may get lucky, who knows, but I don't think this is how a real business could ever be built. Point I'm trying to make is that, um, coming back to your question, I guess, uh, the diamonds are found in the coal mines, right? You have to be, mm. they're not just lying as bright stars on Google
2: anywhere, mm. right?
0: More likely they will not be real gems at all. So frankly, if you're not having to work hard for it and everything's coming your way with so much convenience, clearly you need to question if it's the right thing you're looking at. Right. And eventually the depth comes from experience. Experience comes from hard work and perseverance and long process and journey. And, you know, uh, eventually everyone stumbles on those people who can help them, whether it's a startup, whether it's a business, whether it's a learning anything else, a spirituality or anything. My view is that whoever is trying to sell that as a service, hmm. you know, just software as a service or spirituality as a service or whatever, SaaS and all those things, who is trying to sell has a clear agenda. And when things start with an agenda, they are really, they become transactional. And when they're transactional, they're not really in-depth and they're not really rewarding and they're not hmm. really uh, enriching anyone, I believe. Uh, sometimes it could be. I'm not saying, you know, depending. Everyone doesn't want to go into depth of everything. So for those, maybe the as i said the consciousness for dummies or startups for dummies will work no problem but sometimes the real the real thing will only come uh, from someone who's not necessarily raised more money Hmm. for sure but who's actually built a real business without raising money i would value that way more any day
1: right so i would take this cue and ask you you in your like the initial days must have gone through really hard days how did you deal with them how did you persevere through that time what was your anchor through that time
0: i think what kept me going to a large extent was the people around me uh, fortunately i feel i had some great people around me my co-founders some of my partners investors mm-hmm. team members clients uh, some of them uh, have become friends for life and they're really truly gem, gems of people and i think just working with them continuing to work with them kept me going i guess that was my biggest motivation mm. but otherwise net net um it's not easy for sure. I mean, having spent 10, 11 years trying to build a business in India, where India itself is hard mm-hmm. in many ways for, for entrepreneurs, it's not easy. And uh, then building a business anywhere in the world is not easy. So uh, it's it's super hard. Somebody asked me the other day if I had to rewind the clock and go back and do this again, knowing everything I went through. And personally, I do believe I've come up, come out on a mm-hmm. positive side after 10 years or so. We have merged with a listed entity. We've got a fair exit, sort of, so to say. But I still think it would be too hard for me to do it again. It is very hard. That's why I tell all the entrepreneurs when they want to do something. I just ask them, why do you want to do it? Mm. Uh, you know, If you don't know the answer to why, not just a fake why answer that I really want to change the world or I want to disrupt the world or I want to uh, bring efficiency into this business or whatever, these are just fake answers. Frankly, mm. if you can't go inside deep inside you and you can't answer that, you're not ready for it so uh, what kept me going personally was coming back to the question was the uh, people around me that inspired me motivated me to keep working with them as a team and uh, the team motivation mm-hmm. and spirit kept me going like most other entrepreneurs i guess uh, i've had my fair share of tough times we worked terribly hard we got lucky as well we need luck to survive a lot of stars need to be lined for a startup to survive 10 years for sure um, but
2: hmm.
0: eventually it's okay but uh, yeah it's it's really hard for anybody willing to do it you must be willing to take lot of crazy stuff in your life and go through it take punch after punch and still keep surviving so uh, that's evidence is key
1: even today I feel you might have days when things are not as you would want them to be and they, they take a toll on you so in such a scenario how do you hmm. unwind through that
0: So, so what I didn't have 5 years ago Ten years ago was somewhat more a spiritual journey spiritual experience or spiritual thought process mm-hmm. uh, which now today all it happens is let's say working with you you're not doing well or you're not doing as per my expectations or the results are not happening mm-hmm. i think after a point i do a few things i one try to not take anything too seriously mm-hmm. in the sense that not that i'm not serious about work and business uh, you have to be otherwise you won't survive but in the sense that i don't take uh, outcomes too seriously beyond a point. Uh, I don't worry about the results. I can take some failures. I can accept some things which are not perfect because I, I truly believe uh, what we can do is action. Hmm. Results is what you have to just start accepting. We'll get what we deserve. Right. Uh, whether it's karma, dharma, whatever you believe in, but eventually we'll get what we deserve. And uh, only actions is where I we can make a difference. But after the actions, if there are problems with peoples, with systems, with things here and there, it is what it is. Don't worry about it. I mean, I think we get too too stuck to small things many times. We get too emotional about things. Mm. We have to eventually let it go. Learning to let it go and just move on is crucial. And trying to forget it if it, if it doesn't teach you anything or doesn't help you anywhere. Right. So I think over time, I've just learned to uh, accept whatever happens and then do our best still. Change course of action, change things if we can. Internally, externally, whatever is in our control, but many things are not in our control. So Mm. we can't do anything about it. So just go with it, except we'll get whatever we deserve and just get on with it. So that's broadly uh, what I try and do these days, and it works okay. And eventually, also, one other thing I do is I, uh, in making some decisions, especially some big ones, I give it some time. I don't try to make them instantaneously. I take a step back, sleep over it, Mm. spend one, two, three days, and then make them. It helps me somehow sometimes get more inner calling inner voice inner uh, guiding light the the gut feeling as we call it Mm. Uh, and I follow my gut Mm. there may be as big a deal as anything I don't worry about transaction size or anything if my gut says no it's a no
2: Mm. if my
0: gut says I don't know then it's a no if my gut says yes we go ahead with it so frankly as that's my biggest mentor and guiding light these days and uh, it helps many times
1: it usually is correct it is always
0: correct it has survived millions of years of evolution hmm. our gut feeling is more <laughs> critical than anything else we just don't value it we just value the people in front of us lying to us or offering us more greed and other external circumstances which we fall for hmm. uh, i try and not fall for anything i after a point i just say if i don't like it if i don't feel like it i won't do it
1: right so th- this all was about the company and you. And now when we come to hmm. the team, because the team is essential for the, for the growth of the company. So when it comes to your team, how, what all things do you keep in mind before you hire someone?
0: I only look for two things. Uh, we have a, relatively speaking, a longer process and a process that people go through. But essentially, eventually, we are trying to look for two things. Hmm. One is attitude. Second is aptitude. Mm -hmm. aptitude is that you can put two and two together solve a problem and attitude is you want to do it Mm -hmm. you will do it that's it everything else is available you can find and get done if you have the attitude that you want to solve problem you want to do the work you will figure it out you know we don't hire people to tell them what to do we hire them so they can tell us what we should be doing so your attitude and aptitude should be good degrees are overrated skills are overrated Uh, they're getting outdated so fast anyways Mm -hmm. uh degrees I don't personally believe in at all uh, we allow for people to sp- send us no CV just talk about their experiences or even not have a degree and still come to us we do all those things uh, so our, our focus is primarily attitude and aptitude and uh, with that we try to build a team and one last thing is also we look for people who can play as a team member you know just not to be too opinionated or too stuck on to something right uh, so as long as they're flexible I think eventually things work out
1: so I understand that you do not get involved in the hiring process individually. But has there been any incident, maybe in the like last ten years, where you came across a candidate who taught you something? So,
0: uh, firstly, I do. I'm involved in hiring process. That's the only thing I do now, oh, okay. <laughs> primarily. I, so I involved as in I don't do every round of interviews, but final round I do with every candidate we hire. Right. Uh, so if somebody's been rejected and not uh, in previous rounds, of course I'll not know about it. Necessarily. But Mm -hmm. anybody selected for sure will uh, have a chat with me, and Mm -hmm. we'll have an open chat. So, uh, so I'm reasonably involved, I would say, in that sense. But uh, I've uh, spoken to and had the fortune of meeting, uh, and we probably have way more smarter people than I am for sure. My intent Mm -hmm. has always been that if it's smarter than you, and the attitude and uh, the personalities right, you we must hire them. We must pay them whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. Uh, My intent is not to hire people who are Uh, as smart as me or less smarter than me or so to say I mean you can't quantify it easily but uh, Mm. I've learned a lot from many people I've had some great people work with us for a small time or long time and everything and some worked as more still work with us as friends as consultants as uh, you know other partners business partners etc so uh, I've learned a lot many people not just for hiring purpose mm-hmm. as such we we have a very flat hierarchy it's not that you report to someone and then everyone works with everyone we have a relatively small team we, we don't we have about 100 odd people and uh, we that's by design and that's by uh, a conscious decision we don't want to go grow beyond but um, uh, i've learned a lot from many people around uh, how to deal with people how to build stuff how to imagine stuff how to do sales how to i mean i I was more of a generalist i still believe i'm more of a generalist Mm uh with a perspective on things and maybe a reasonable way of orating it or speaking about it but um the smartness comes from the people i've worked with frankly last 10 years i've learned a hell lot and most from the people around nice than anything else
1: so what what are the general challenges you face while recruiting
0: so uh challenges have evolved over the last 10 years Mm. for sure um Year one, I was the HR manager. Uh, I was the generalist doing a bunch of things, including recruiting myself mm. uh, until we hired another HR person. And then it grew from there, the team. Um, over time, what I've noticed is that, unfortunately, as we get older or as the people get younger who come to our companies, mm. there is lack of commitment. I think okay. they all want all the choices open. It's just like, you know, Netflix will not watch uh, the millennials, so to say. I mean, I'm not blaming them as such, mm. but I'm just saying... This is a world they have grown up in. They'll have uh, a buffet of content served to them every day on Netflix, and they will not start any series, just keeping their options open. Mm. That's a, that's a joke. I mean, that's how they uh, somehow they end up leading most of their or making most of their decisions. They're completely aware of their rights, but have zero sense of responsibilities. Mm. Uh, so that unfortunately makes lack of commitment, and lack of commitment is just you know we're not saying stay with us forever. We're not saying. Uh, work like 16 hours or so. We're just saying work eight hours a day, learn a lot, work with good people, will train you, will help you, mm. uh, will pay you. But uh, could you at least stay a while? I mean, not just jump out in six months and say, "Oh, it's not working out." <laughs> right. just That's lack of commitment, clearly. Mm. So that one thing that attitude-wise has changed over the years, and that's just a generational shift. And unfortunately, social media and many other technologies around mobile phones are not helping; they're just hurting. People mm. want instant gratification and they want to move on. They want so many choices uh so i think uh that 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 makes hard uh hiring on attitude a bit difficult so our target pool of h- uh, hiding candidates we can bring in get short smaller and smaller every year mm. Be- because relatively speaking most younger people today the, the middle class or the ones we end up recruiting or looking at mm. are sort of ball- born with some silver or bronze spoon or so and they've had all the choices met and families and parents have taken care of most things and nobody pushes them to do much. Right. So that's one attitude change over the 10 years, which I'm seeing is getting more and more difficult. That's one. Uh, second thing is we can do all the interviews we want. There are lots of people I would say who know how to crack interviews mm-hmm. very well, but are not good at the job or just don't have the right attitude. So
1: even I have seen that.
0: Yeah. Only way you ever discover it is make some bets they hire some people and see how they perform and if they don't it doesn't work out it ends up being a lot of waste of time and resources on both sides um so i think just that people faking and not being true to themselves and to us i think and others like i guess that these are the two major challenges i see Mm -hmm. lack of commitment more in younger people than others and then secondly people working hard to crack the interview questions rather than actually learning what would be required to do the job or actually doing the job afterwards so these are the two things which make it makes it really hard
1: right but do you think there can be like can we come up with something which would help us test the candidate on their soft skill or being a cultural fit something like that yeah
0: yeah we try and do that i mean i think it's harder to standardize the process because the moment you make a process or a standard system it becomes vulnerable to hacking right, right. somehow uh, i think what we try and do I'll just share. We speak to the candidate, especially in the final discussions that I have, just about anything and everything and just see how honest, integral, how comfortable, how you know, how they come across as a human being. Mm. And then we try to connect them at a human level and not just ask questions. Okay, what are your degrees? What are your strengths weaknesses? Mm. I mean, those are secondary. Those I don't think one needs to ask at all. If anything, one should get away with it because one should never ask it because these things are, completely relevant and fake fake question fake answer right? Right. so we try to ask questions which they have not thought of and then we see how they think how they act how they react when people don't know the answers
1: this makes me like go back to the recent interview session i had and it, it was exactly this like the person did not ask me any question on what my strengths are what my weaknesses are hmm. they just they started talking to me with the hmm. tell me about yourself and when hmm. i started with it they took one direction and they grilled me on that direction. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> that grilling part was really hard.
0: Yeah. So we, we don't necessarily, I mean, grilling is good because then you see how deeply you think you know something. Hmm. You know, we, we can have those conversations like I can ask you, I don't know, your political preferences or your uh, any anything. Hmm. And then ask you why you think that is the case and then go deeper. Why does hmm. that matter? Why does that? So this is just why, why, why? If you keep asking, you'll get to the core of why you believe in certain things. You know, sometimes we ourselves don't observe ourselves at all. We don't know what we are doing. We just keep doing it. Uh, This way of detailed observation and uh, critical questioning leads to that. But we end up even asking some more uh, fairly different questions. We truly think ourselves are crazy. Uh, Like, uh, imagine we are starting life on Mars,
2: Hmm. which
0: is possible in the next five years or 10 years, or maybe at some point, right?
2: right
0: you are head of you are head of implementation
2: hmm.
0: what do you think you need to worry about
2: interesting
0: you're taking humans on mars what all you have to think about so people end up thinking we need to have food water air okay hmm. then you have 500 people what's the system between them is it a democratic system is it capitalism is it how how are you going to run the people because people might kill each other off if you don't you know the politics will happen no right doubt. so think about many things which you've not thought of what are your survival instincts? What, how would you, what makes humans take on the planet? So you need to go back in history of evolution and many other things to actually come up with great answers mm-hmm. or great thought processes. We don't, uh, there's no right answer. Right, right. It's not about having the right answer or wrong. It's just about having a thought process and then going with it and going deep. So we also try and do such open-ended random conversations and see where they go. Uh, if we end up enjoying the conversation means the person is clearly hmm. a must hire because we are enjoying the conversation on something nobody has ever thought of or spoken of right? right which is not on google for sure hopefully not
1: quite imaginative
0: we work a lot on imagination uh not work as in work as in uh, we just enjoy doing it and we end up having some some interesting thoughts and ideas i guess
1: right so this was about you expecting from a candidate how about if we reverse the role what should yeah a candidate expect from a company
0: so uh comes down to the candidates preference unfortunately the number one thing they look for is just a package i'm getting 100 give me 150 or, right. or whatever or i'm getting 100 i have three offers at 130 two at 120 140 <laughs> get me 160 and i'll join whatever mm. i mean that's just become a norm in the last three years especially and it's really unfortunate um i mean Partially, I understand people have desires to satisfy their financial goals. They have to go through it.
2: Hmm.
0: But equally, they're missing on the opportunity for learning and growing as a human being, working with great people, working on ideas that inspire them, on the businesses that could be inspiring, working in great cultures. Uh, I think as a candidate, if I were a candidate today, um, Hmm. I would probably look for the whole package. I mean, I'm happy even if I'm getting 100, I'm happy to go at 90 Or 80 or 50 Hmm. or no money if i'm getting what i really enjoy then i don't have to work a day i'm just having fun exactly as long as of course i can manage my financial goals and expenses and pay the bills uh so to say uh so i think looking at it as a package where what kind of people you're gonna work with what kind of business vision they have what are ethics what are their models what are their culture what is their culture Hmm. these are some important things we stress a lot on when people ask us we definitely give very detailed answers very true to what we believe is happening and we ask them to feel free to interact with other team members if they believe this is true or not because there's one thing me as a ceo saying that Hmm. yeah we are good or we are bad or we are we do like this we do like that but if others don't believe in it it means i'm just being delusional right so I, i encourage them to go to linkedin find people they might be connected with or not or go to any other place and then try and validate with those people that if they believe forget the package and other things if they believe that the core values they are trying to connect with mm. are truly in the company or not. Uh, that's the best validation, you know, I can't, I can't fake 100 people's opinion, hopefully, um, and hopefully they will tell the truth what they believe in.
1: Connecting so. on LinkedIn, I think is a great way of understanding how the company is uh, what their environment is and what kind of people are there whether you would be able to interact with them gel with them or not
0: yeah definitely i mean um uh i would love i mean nobody has asked me till date we have offered this to a few people mm-hmm. come and join us for a day or a week or a month we'll pay you we'll take care of you nice come and work and see how people are how everything is because that's the best way this is the best courtship you can have before you enter into an employment or so Hmm. So we offer that. Uh, Nobody has asked me ever for this, that, look, I like it, but I'm not sure. Can I spend a few days? Because unfortunately, the world is fairly transactional. Thanks to capitalism, they just want to get done and move on and Mm. not spend days thinking. And they're just too worried they'll lose time. Two days, what what difference will it make?
2: Um,
0: So, you know, I think this could be a good way of having, uh, figuring truly each other out, rather than just faking it in a few hours of interviews
1: i think this is very important because what happens is i have seen it in some other company that a person joined they were okay with the package they were okay with everything they relocated to the site location they did not like it they said we want a week's leave they left with their baggage and never came back
0: now that's so that's a worst thing a person can do in my view you have a right to quit you have a right to quit right but why would you not tell the person that you're quitting Hmm company has a right to fire you they'll have to tell you they
1: right? will tell you they'll have you. to
0: tell you it's it's both ways i mean this is what lack of commitment is mm. uh, and you know somehow i believe in karma your actions will come around to you mm. at some point and you least expect them so it's not needed why don't you just tell them look here yeah, it's not working out i want to do something else or right? its location is not suiting me or this is not suiting me
1: mm. maybe they would relocate you who knows
0: maybe they would maybe they would or if you are interested in trying to make it work look this is like family right Mm. think about your family you may have arguments with your family but you don't leave family you stay with them and you work things out eventually right for most families most people in any family right this could be true in your clan in your friendships in your relationships in your employments in your anything Mm. you have to try to make it work you've spent days weeks months years getting into some company why would you not be honest with them. Assuming they're obviously on, being honest to you. okay, mm. It's a different story. If they are lying, then obviously you can't, you know, you can't reciprocate or anything else. But if they're being honest to you, the, last, the least you can do is just tell them the truth. Look, it's not working. I'm sorry. I'm going to move on. Mm. Let me know what's the best way to do that. I mean, I, I have 11 years of recruiting experience. I've done tens of thousands of interviews personally, mm. some longer than others. And unfortunately, with experience, we can figure out in seconds when one is lying. Mm. And we... Um, you know, when we feel we know that, we just let it go. We just say, no point. I mean, if somebody's integrity allows them to lie and unnecessarily, you know, there could be sometimes valid reasons for it. But uh, if somebody's attitude is only that, then you just have to let it go.
1: Hmm. and
0: Believe everything happens for a reason.
1: Lack of commitment from the employee's end. And then there's ghosting nature of the HR managers. <laughs> what about that? Why do they not say no when it is a no?
0: Unfortunately, companies... Uh, are also not firm in their decision making and timely in their decision Mm. making for the most part. What happens is, uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just explaining the potential reason behind it as I understand it.
2: Mm.
0: Let's say uh, I'm an HR manager, I've been given some positions by some senior people in the company to hire for these roles and that Mm. roles we are interviewing i've got some candidates who are interested who have interviewed some have said will join in three months some have said there are five open positions i've hired seven positions seven Mm. people now because out of those seven i'm i've no idea how many will join right i have to keep the options open okay i have to ensure that in three months if half the people drop out i could go back to the existing candidates
1: Mm. now
0: i'm not justifying it i'm just saying that they would not close the process or give a final no as they should but at the same time i'm not saying there's any excuse for not letting the candidates know that you are in a wait list hmm. we will know in a month or two and if you can wait with us bear with us great if not you have to make your decisions you can but i would be happily confirming back to you in two months or so that's at least a human being can do and one should uh, do informing that
1: informing is the right informing way correct forward
0: so anybody not reverting, so in our team, it's mandatory that within a week, we have to revert to all HR, uh, all team members, all all mm-hmm. applicants who have spoken with us. Of course, if we get lots of CVs, we are unable, we get thousands of CVs, right. we can't respond to everyone. But if we have not shortlisted a CV or it's only been in consideration, we've not spoken to the candidate, we we don't mm-hmm. uh, try to get back because it's just too much. But otherwise, for the we try and make sure we communicate with the candidate and tell them. Position is being looked at it'll take two months or so it'll take maybe three months or it may take a day or it may take a week or whatever it is we try to at least I try to tell the HR team to follow this process I'm not able to every time check it and sometimes candidates reach out to me and say your team did not revert and Mm -hmm. then I look in and try to resolve the problem and everything but we definitely try and do that I think the problem is it's a two-way problem Mm -hmm. HR managers ghosting is one thing correct it's definitely not acceptable the least one can do is communicate no news is uh, bad news is better than no news for sure. Mm. Uh, secondly, they are also unfortunately driven by the market evolving in a way where candidates also have 5, ten, thirty, thirty 10, 10, 30, 30 right. offers as you might have heard in the last year from yeah. Bangalore and stuff. So in that case, uh, you know, it just spoils the system and it gets from bad to worse mm. both sides. So unfortunately we are in the mess, but uh, uh, I think to HR managers out there, including in Trade and in many other any other companies, mm. I think the least we can try and do is find a way to communicate to all of them. Yeah. Uh, just send a, uh, an email with BCC, all of them that look, we are still trying to make it work. But uh, it'll take a f- couple of months maybe uh, until we figure out the other options mm. or just say that it's a no, we're sorry, it's not you, it's just us, it's just not a match. <laughs>
1: right so i think we've covered most of the topics now before we end the conversation to all the students that are tuned in um what would you tell them what's the most important thing in college that they should not be missing out on
0: have lots of fun Hmm. um the memories of college will stay with you for the rest of your life and they would be the most cherished memories ever Hmm. this is a time when you have relatively speaking you might feel you have a lot of responsibilities but relatively speaking comparing to what may come later in life Mm. uh, when you'll have jobs and uh, serious things going on in life your families and other things etc you know in startups maybe um, relative to that you have the least responsibility in the world right now and you have the most uh, adult independent lifehood relatively speaking so uh, my suggestion would be have lots of fun do crazy things Eventually, at the end of towards the end, you will just uh, you know, for a long time, you will remember these things, and these would be some of your best friends, best memories, best experiences of life. Uh, don't miss out, don't take life too seriously, don't just keep studying for exams for the sake of it. Try to find your true goals, follow your heart, mm. and do what you feel is right.
1: Right? So, before we sign out, do you have like any book recommendations here?
0: Yeah, I've i've personally written two books actually i'm in the process of writing a third one but uh, more than my book i'll i'll recommend i actually a book that i found really inspiring mm-hmm. maybe it's only at, at context of my journey in life where i am inspired by spiritual readings and all mm-hmm. uh, it's a book called somewhere among the stars okay somewhere among the stars and uh, it talks about the spiritual journey what's possible spiritually in a fictional way and it's a it came out last year, I think, mm-hmm. uh, already has few thousands of copies sold, I believe, or not. I don't know. But there may be a very limited audience for such things, but it truly really lets you go through and experience what your mind is capable of, what your spirit and soul is capable of. And that's very few of us even begin to comprehend it or forget about being aware of it. So um, I found it very inspiring and uh, very interesting somewhere among the stars.
1: Right. As you've mentioned, you've written two books, and third one is on the way. One of your book is about blockchain. Another is called Sociopreneur. So, can you tell us a bit more about it?
0: Sure, sure. So, uh, so basically, um, last ten years or so, I set out to build a startup, which arguably has become fairly okay. And, Uh, we've done, everyone's done well in the process. So uh, in the process, we ended up, Mm -hmm. I personally ended up uh, starting an angel network called Chandigarh Angels Network two years ago. Last year, we started a fund also for investing in startups, uh, along with some friends Mm -hmm. and also have seen and worked with lots of entrepreneurs. So in the process, what I've discovered was that many people would bring startup ideas. Um, I've personally interacted with thousands of entrepreneurs in the last Mm -hmm. seven years or so. Um, They would have ideas which are just too small too less ambitious too less less very little imaginative if at all and they were just doing it because they didn't have a better idea Mm -hmm. they didn't know what else they could do the idea was just too transactional and too small to matter just me too in another competitive space so i realized that a lot of problems we have in the world if you look around uh, the social problems uh, think about climate change waste management sewerage mm. um, problems real real air food water related problems example those mm. could be those are crying for help to be solved and none of nobody looks at it and everybody wants just to build a faster e-commerce website or a faster mm. uber or something you know it's just after a point it doesn't add as much value i think to the society so i ended up believing um, and i still believe in this that the entrepreneurs can take real social problems solve mm. them scale them as business startups and mm. make money in the process they don't have to just fake a problem or just do a small problem or mm. just create a problem that doesn't exist like web3 and all the things people keep oh. talking about mm-hmm. um, so so sociopreneur is essentially a book which talks about how the social entrepreneurship the entrepreneurs mm. who solve social problems the real social problems is the future how one could become inspired by some of those problems, how one could connect with them and then try to solve them, get a mm. deep inspiration and motivation and how such a business build out scale up would look like, how would you raise funds, how would you hire people, how would you uh, scale the problem, etc. So I've tried to write a book on social entrepreneurship. That's what social mm. partner is about. If anybody is looking for inspiring ideas that would definitely be big markets in the next few years and they want to work, find something inspiring to work on, and they don't have the inspiration of their own yet, Mm. uh, this book will have lots of examples and proven case studies and stories that could maybe inspire them and help them.
1: Sounds interesting to me because I have been thinking about doing something on the environmental front, but not in the sense Mm. of being an entrepreneur, being very honest. Mm. I just want Mm. to do it in like on my individual level but
0: hmm. the
1: idea sounds great if we can save the world and make money what's the better combination
0: exactly and i think that's the only way the world can survive this has to happen at some point soon uh and beyond the fake words of esg environment whatever the governments and vcs keep coming up with beyond the words it has to really make sense and matter and be real so uh
1: okay and any movie recommendation here
0: trying to think i have lots of movies i like but uh probably probably the one movie i i think i can recommend given it's a startup and some business talk with some people is and motivation and perseverance is a movie called uh, uh pursuit of happiness oh uh, that's a lovely Smith. movie yeah so i think that's a good movie for people to read to understand that how life can become really tough and if you survive it and ride through it and do your best you can uh you know eventually things may work out I mean, mm-hmm. nothing is permanent in life not your pains not your challenges eventually things tend to work out time is the biggest healer so uh, it's a good story of perseverance, I guess, which we talked quite a bit about initially. Inspiration, motivation, and also I think uh, pursuit of happiness is a good good movie. People may watch if they haven't seen it.
1: Perfect. And on that happy note, I think we may end the conversation. It was lovely to have this conversation with you. Thank you for giving us your time, Kunal.
0: Sure. Happy to share whatever little I've learned and known and well. Uh, Great speaking with you.
1: It was our pleasure. Thank you. Would you like to share any social media or mail ID where in case of a query or a general conversation our listener can reach out to you?
0: I think uh, I'm still on some social media. I'm not sure for how long. I'm still on Twitter uh, or LinkedIn. Uh, My name is Kunal Nandwani. Uh, You can find me on Twitter or LinkedIn and reach out. Uh, Or my email ID is nandwani at gmail.com. I'm sure you Google it, you'll find it somewhere. Uh, Yeah, feel free to reach out. Happy to. Connect and help out if I can or share and learn.
1: So that's about it. I hope you had a good infotaining experience in this conversation just as much as I did. And if you have any query, questions, suggestion for us, drop them at ww.cotecotion.com. That's all for today. We'll meet again soon. Till then, keep coding, keep learning, and keep fixing the bugs. Fixing Fixing the Bugs. Powered by code quotient.